When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome back. After how long away? I think 10 days away. We are back. It is Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal sitting in for Chris Schmidt today as Chris still down in warm and sunny Arizona. As uh, Nebraska looking outside here, we still have snow. I think a little above freezing today. Uh, still a cold one here in Nebraska as we uh, recover from the New Year's holiday, getting you back to start off the new year. The first show of the new year. It's Elijah Herbal alongside Will Wilson. We have a lot to get into today. But first, let me be probably the last person to wish you a happy new year. So we're now three days into the new year, and I uh, hope you all had a happy holidays. Uh, I know I did. Got to spend it with family and friends and uh, got some much-needed time off to enjoy the bowl season and uh, get ready for uh, 2022, which already feels weird to say. It feels like just yesterday it was 2019. Uh, but, Will, good to see you this today. Uh, second time seeing you as uh, anyone who was listening to ESPN this morning heard us this morning on The Morning Hookup. Uh, now Will Wilson and Elijah Herbal rocking it again this afternoon. Hail Varsity Radio. Will, good to see you. Hey, good afternoon. Uh, how, how's it been be- between the time since I saw you last? Uh, it's been good. So as we were talking about this morning, uh, the end of my holiday season was uh, – uh, just compromised a little bit as uh, both of my roommates tested positive for COVID in the days after Christmas, and I ended up quarantining uh, at home. And they're finishing up their quarantine now. I am fine. I've been keeping my distance from them the best I can, uh, and I, I think I still have some natural immunity from whenever I caught COVID back in the fall. Uh, so I'm doing well, but I uh, I ended up uh, playing the role of mom today, and I went and did all their grocery shopping oh, for them. Wow. And, and pick some stuff up for them. So that's what I did in between that, shows. That is really <laughs> nice of you. You know, you know, there's not a lot of roommates that would do that for their roommates. So I'm impressed. I'm impressed. I am. Uh, it's funny. Um, they both caught COVID. And they're the two uh, people in the house who own the animals. So we have a dog and a cat at my house. Yep. I don't own either of them. It's it's the best of both worlds for me where I get to spend uh, my time with these animals. I don't have to like pay for their food or their vet bills or anything like that. It's great. Yeah. But they both ran out of food on the same day, which was today. Oh, man. And neither of my roommates could go to the store considering they have COVID. So I, I was, I've met those pets. They're very nice. I, the, the cat can be a bit a bit mean sometimes. Oh, I like the cat. I like the cat. <laughs> She's got a lot of personality. No, but so I ended up doing grocery shopping for both my roommates and my cat and my dog today so good for you it was my uh my brief stint into being a mother yeah well or a father you you know yeah you're not gonna yes good point good point um so yeah very good good christmas though uh christmas was good yes how was yours it was fine yeah no no No, complaints nothing nothing too much look i I wish it was 85 degrees and sunny but hey you gotta you gotta gotta take what you can get on christmas and i think we got 60 degrees on christmas eve so i tell you what you don't know any good uh chiropractors at, at the moment do you uh no if you find a good one let them know because I, I could use them too i you 
I, I man, I I don't know. I I'm, I'm telling you right now, your back may may be hurting, but mine is not doing well right now. Yeah, but <laughs> not well at all. Um, and can you explain the story behind that? I, I, I was taking the battery out of my car uh, this morning, just after the the show we did earlier, the morning hookup, and uh, it is. I tweaked it. I did something to it. Uh, driving over here was was one of the worst drives of my life. Sitting here right now is is very painful. You cracking my back helped a little bit. Um, it did. It helped a little bit, but it, it's not feeling too well right now. This is this is your flu game. Will Wilson playing through the pain here. <laughs> I guess sitting here actually is nice. Like leaning back like this, I feel like Cronkite. The way I'm just kind of sitting here with the mic in front of me. Uh, but no, it's good. Everything's fine. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So uh, happy holidays and. Uh, Let's help 2022 is a little bit better this year. Numbers to get in the show today, 402-466-3776, 1-800-825-5865. You can email Chris, chris at hailvarsity.com. I won't be getting that email, uh, but you can email Chris and let him know. Uh, talk to him as he's going to be back on Wednesday. He can forward us the emails. He can forward us. Yeah, so Chris enjoying his last day in Arizona. Uh, he'll be coming back tomorrow, and he'll be back for the show on Wednesday. It's uh, myself, Elijah Herbal, and Will Wilson until then. And we have... Well, it's funny because I was expecting uh, after 10 or 11 days away that there would just be plenty to talk about today. We really didn't have much movement at all over winter. I mean, I was expecting maybe a running back coach would be announced. Yes. No running back coach announced. No defensive line coach announced. No special teams coach announced. And the Huskers picked up one uh, transfer portal pickup. That is Oklahoma State offensive lineman Hunter Anthony which we'll get into with Greg Smith here in just a little bit. But at the end of the day, it seems like the Huskers enjoyed their holiday break too. Maybe they, they were catching some bowl games. <laughs> so not all that much to talk about. What I want to start this off with, though, is uh, the fact that there has not been any uh, assistance announced yet for this Husker football team. Yeah. We're expecting, I mean, especially running back coach, Ron Brown. Maybe that was going to be the holiday gift from the Huskers to us was that Ron Brown would be announced as the running back coach. Or maybe they'd officially announce that Dawson would be moving into the defensive line position. Bill Bush can come in as a special teams coach. I didn't know what they were going to be doing, uh, but I really wasn't expecting the answer to be no movement whatsoever over the winter break. And uh, Steve Sipple released a pretty good article yesterday saying what he's hearing in the tea leaves, and that's that uh, Scott Frost is still looking for running back coaches uh, looking elsewhere besides Ron Brown trying to find some external candidates uh, as for the defensive line uh, that was expected to be moved uh, to coach Dawson coach Dawson will move from outside linebackers to defensive line that is just awaiting an announcement according to Steve Sipple and then uh, the special teams coach will most likely be Bill Bush and as well as a, a role coaching the secondary as well with Travis Fisher so that's where it sounds like we're heading in those two positions yeah. still awaiting to hear a running back coach uh, but at the moment, it sounds like Ron Brown's the favorite in the room, but Frost really? still going through his external candidates. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. You know, the TCU um, coach, and then is Knox from Florida. Yeah, uh, Knox from Florida is the name and, that I'm hearing a lot. Yeah, and yeah, that's funny. I, you know, it's been a big conversation about would Ron Brown fit as a you know full-time assistant coach. Uh, Frost has said in the past that it is a big-time commitment. And it's something that, you know, it would be a big job to take on for for Ron, which makes me think that Ron won't be the full-time assistant. I think they're going to go out and hire uh, somebody else, but we don't know. I think we should get an announcement this week. I don't don't really know what we were kind of waiting for. I mean, maybe Frost is waiting for everybody to get back on campus to make a big announcement. You know, I'm not sure. But for me, would you be unhappy 
if the coaches were Ron Brown, Bill Bush, and Dawson, three guys that were already on staff, would you be mad if that was the the final uh. three? Because I, I think I'm I'm happy with the three hires Frost has made. Mickey Joseph is a slam dunk hire for the wide receivers coach. Uh, Mark Whipple will wait and see how the offense looks, uh, but at the moment, just. Yeah, I know it's uh, it's not a game that's played on paper, but on paper, uh, Mark Whipple seems like a good hire. And then Ryle is a bit of a wild card, but based on what he's done in the transfer portal already, it seems like uh, he's got a good reputation coming in here, despite the fact he hasn't been a head offensive line coach himself. Uh, so I- I'm happy with those three. The question is, is could Frost have done more? Could he have could he have gotten more of an influence from? other schools, other trains of thought, as opposed to just going with three guys who are still in his, or already in his staff he, now and just giving them promotions, essentially. He can, and there's still a lot of time to do that. That's why, you know, there's going to be a lot more coaches fired here in the next week, which begins a lot more assistant coaches, you know, they all leave and, and they open up. So I think if he would go with that path and just promote from within, now for the defensive line, I get it. Dawson, he's done it before. I, I'm fine with that. Uh, Bush, special teams, fine with that. But Ron, if if you add Ron to that list, it, it seems kind of lazy to me. Seems kind of lazy to go with Ron. And, and the, so, the question becomes, why has there been no announcement if Ron Brown is the guy? He's probably not the guy. I, uh, that's that's what I'm thinking. Um, and also, you let Tuioti, you know, go to Oregon. Of course, that opens up, you know, some cash. And I, I mean, I don't know if the goal um, is is to be saving money right now, but. Um, to fork out some cash for a new running backs coach is something I think we should be doing. Uh, yeah, it just is it swing and a miss. Is that what's going on? Is that why there's no announcement? Uh, I don't know. Time will tell. We welcome in Pete again. You can call the show 402 466 3776. Pete, it's good to talk to you. Happy holidays. I guess it's a little late for happy holidays. Happy New Year, bud. How you doing? Pretty good. How you doing? Uh, doing pretty. I mean, the fact is, uh, I'm back at work after a week off. So, how good could I be? Uh, just kidding. I'm happy to be here and uh, ready to talk some Huskers. Uh, what do you What do you got for us? I guess I'm going to give my opinion. Go for it. Ron Brown is probably one of the best assistant coaches Nebraska has ever had. Every position that he has coached, he has elevated that position. If Ron Brown wants to be a full time running back coach and is not hired, I will be very disappointed. And I will I will turn a little uh, frown, according uh, to Scott Frost, because I think that is BS. Ron Brown is one of the best assistant coaches Nebraska has ever had. So that's my opinion. Well, I think on the flip side of things, Pete, before we let you go, uh, are you concerned that he's a guy that's been in the room? I mean, I know he hasn't been the, the head running back coach, but do you want to get some new ideas into the running back room? Because, I mean, Ron Brown's influence has been on the room, being an analyst uh, around the running backs and, and just being around the team. You, you know he's been an, an influence, and we haven't seen that running back development. So I don't think Ron Brown's a part of the problem by any means, but do you want to get a, a, a fresh idea in here, a fresh set of eyes to see this running back room and, and to give an unbiased opinion, similar to what we're going to be seeing with the quarterback room with Mark Whipple? Well, I think I think Ron Brown kind of proved himself at the running back coach when we had uh, Rex Burkhead in that group. He took mm. uh, Adula and Burkhead and made them uh, professional football players. Um, I think he's proven that he's a very good running back coach. He's a very good tight end coach. He's a very good wide receiver coach. Ron Brown be- believes in physicality and practice, and he will get the most out of any running back uh, on the Nebraska football team. He is a proven commodity 
and a very good person and a very good uh, person for, for the University of Nebraska and for the football players. That's my opinion. Pete, thanks for the yeah. call today. Have a happy new year, and I uh, hope to talk to you again soon, all right? You too. And, you know, Pete's not the first person I've heard say that. I've heard several people. I know you have too, Elijah. There's a lot of people who love Ron Brown and think he's a great coach, and I don't think you and I were sitting here saying that he's not. Uh, there's a reason that he's been in football this long. He knows what he's doing. He knows the game. Um, you know, I just think football is changing a lot, and you, you got you have a lot of young kids. I mean, I just keep him on staff. That's fine. I just think you have an opportunity to go out and get a, a guy who really – you know, knows the position well that you could use this. I'm saying, you, you know, you got some cash open after Tui Yodi leaves. Let's let's use it, right? But for for all that the game is changing, is the game still not simple? Did you I mean if you watch the college football playoff? Not if you watch not, college football playoff, it's, it was still lines of scrimmage and running backs running downhill. That's what won Alabama and yes. Georgia their games over the weekend was an a powerful physical offensive line that was able to open holes for running backs and, and a running back running downhill. Yes, and uh, thank you. I wasn't quite talking about the. The physical side, you know, like the play side. I'm talking just like the type of young kids today. You know, can, okay. you know that's, that's really able to what I'm getting at. Exactly. Thank you. Um, so, but, you know, Pete, again, you're not the first person that I've heard say that. And the fact that I've heard many people say that, I'm sure Ron Brown is a great coach. Yeah, and well, I don't think you're you're campaigning against Ron Brown. Because I'm, I'm right. kind of in the same boat as you here. Is it, it, I don't want to say it feels lazy to hire Ron Brown. But running back is going to be a position that is paramount in the Big Ten, along with the offensive line. Just as I said, physicality is still a big part of football. And we're almost returning back towards physicality from what you see in offenses five years ago compared to what we saw in the college football playoff on Saturday. Is that Or I, Friday night was what that was. Uh, was that physicality is still the easiest way to win in football is to control the lines of scrimmage and to have an effective running game and I think whenever you look at how important that is in the Big Ten it's not the worst thing in the world uh, to want to bring in a fresh set of eyes uh, to be able to see what Nebraska is doing wrong in the running game but but before we get out of here I know we haven't mentioned the quarterback position at all that's because really no news to discuss there still a couple names out there Chuba Purdy, Chuba Purdy maybe uh, who knows that kid from is Texas it Chuba? Is, it Ch- is it Chuba? I, be- I believe it's Chuba Chuba or yeah, whatever. Uh, Casey Thompson. We got Casey Thompson from Texas. At Texas, which a lot of recruiting sites are crystal balling him to Nebraska. But still, nothing that we've really heard all that much. Aside from that, maybe some insiders are in the know. We'll talk with uh, Hale Varsity recruiting insider Greg Smith here in just a second. Ask if there's any uh, news in the quarterback position. I'll ask him about uh, the new offensive line transfer, Hunter Anthony as well from Oklahoma State. That's coming up here after the break. But before we get to that, uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't mention the Husker basketball game from last night. I know it hasn't been a season a lot of Husker fans were expecting from this Husker basketball team um, but again it's, it, it was a, a story last night of this Husker basketball team just not being able to find a win it was their third game of the year they lost at the free throw line yeah it's uh, tough to see especially that it came from Lat, who was having a, you know a decent game had that big dunk you know huge play in that game changed the momentum and uh, you know he goes to the line and misses both free throws only needed to hit one uh, just uh, super frustrating. It felt, it felt like a perfect storm for Nebraska to get a win finally with it Ohio did. State coming off the long COVID pause. Uh, Ohio State, 16 turnovers. Nebraska shot better than 30% from behind the arc. And better than that, they were hitting threes uh, whenever they needed them. Down six yeah. with five minutes left to go hit back-to-back threes, tie the game up. Uh, they were hitting threes timely. They were hitting them at a decent clip. Uh, they only had eight turnovers compared to Ohio State, 16. They did everything they needed to do 
They even outshot uh, Ohio State at the free throw line. You can be a little mad about the free throws getting out-rebounded by eight, but that's closer they've been in a lot of games. They did everything that you thought they needed to do. They checked the boxes of what they needed to do to win, and Nebraska still comes up short. Yep, and you and I said this earlier, and I think a lot of people agree, when we hit overtime, when we knew that game was going to overtime, we all had a very bad feeling I was about ready. To, I was about ready to flip it back to Sunday Night Football. Yep, I think a lot of people did, and, and we were right. I don't want to say they collapsed, but Ohio State came out very hot in overtime. They made like their it was, first. It was all yeah. momentum after those two missed free throws. I mean, when, even when Ohio State hit that three pointer, I was sitting there. Uh, they were down five and they're down three now, or down two with thirty seconds left. And you go, oh, you just did not have a good feeling. Yeah, that, um, yeah, that sinking feeling of okay, now we got to go to the line and knock down our free throws. I don't like the odds of that. And then once you miss two, I I almost booked it as a loss once we missed two. Sinking, you know, yes, it was very sinking, but. It, hey, there's something to be happy about last night's performance. We didn't collapse. We, there, there's been talk about this team not trying. They tried that the entire game last night, especially on the defensive side. Their intensity on the defensive side was why I think they almost won that game. We'll talk with Jacob Padilla coming up to lead off the 5 o'clock hour, whether it's better to be optimistic or pessimistic after that result last night. Is that reason for optimism? Nebraska maybe could get some wins in the Big Ten, or is that reason for pessimism? They still can't find a win. Uh, we'll get into that with Jacob Padilla coming up at 5 o'clock. Coming up after the break, though, Hale Varsity recruiting insider Greg Smith will discuss Oklahoma State transfer Hunter Anthony, the quarterback position, and maybe some college football playoff, too. That's all coming up after the break. Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska lottery and we're back fellas think we could listen to the radio on hail varsity radio presented by the nebraska lottery yes that's awesome Back in on a Monday New Year edition, Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal and Will Wilson taking you through today. And Will Wilson, I told you in the first segment, he's playing through the pain today. He was listed as day-to-day with back tightness. Decided to play through the pain as we're here in the, the stretch run. Uh, the playoffs starting here in the NFL. Will Wilson playing through the pain. He is shaking his head at me. Well, you know what's funny <laughs> is earlier I was talking about with you, you know, we're, t- we're 23, 22. We, d- we don't need to worry about... Our bodies and our health yet, and then you're breaking. Down. I jinxed it. I, it's happening. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the uh, the age we're getting to. We're now changing a car battery is going to leave us sore for three oh, days. Oh, jeez, getting old is terrible. We'll, we'll bring in uh, Greg Smith. Greg, tell me, is that something I should expect to see? I know I'm probably even younger than some of the the listener base for this show, but should, should I expect to see that moving forward? Just random day to day tasks are going to leave me like sore for days. One hundred percent, and not only a random day-to-day task and leave you sore for days. You're going to get out of bed one day, and you're going to pull a calf muscle. Like it's <laughs> going to happen. Um, and I'm looking forward to the day that it happens because you guys are 22 and 23 complaining about getting old and back spasms. Hey, you got to play through the pain, man. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, I, I, I even like go to like the basketball court, or like go play some racquetball. Like the the sports I see old men playing and doing well. I'm like, I don't know how they're doing this because my knees like sore after playing for 15 minutes, and and they're out there playing for an hour and a half and back the next day. Yeah, I mean, sometimes that old man strength kicks in, you know? <laughs> it's, it's, it's the old man's savviness. Well, Greg, uh, before we get into some recruiting news, some Husker coaching staff news, i got to ask you, how was the New Year's celebration? Did you bring it in the right way? 
Uh, the New Year celebration was good. Uh, I was at a wedding, um, so that's always fun. Excellent food and drinks. Uh, good time was had by all. Um, but, yeah, we definitely had a good time and rang it in the, the right way. Did, did they throw you on the grill instead of uh, any catering? Did, did you uh, hit it with the Greg, the Greg Smith special? Uh, no, no. I, th- I think the catering was better than the Greg Smith special. In this case, <laughs> I'll give it to them on this one. Uh, but I could I could have held my own if I needed to. Well, Greg, I know it's been a week and a half off, and we've all enjoyed the time off, um, but it almost felt like this the Husker news cycle took a week and a half off, too, because there really hasn't been much news on the recruiting front, uh, aside from Oklahoma State transfer Hunter Anthony. Uh, so we got that news in, but no new Husker coaching staff news. We didn't get any transfer quarterback news, really. Uh, and it just all around felt like it's been a, a slow week and a half since our last show. Yeah, I think that that's 100% accurate. Um, I, I think that what kind of happened is everybody needed a little bit of a break after kind of that sprint um, from the end of the season to the December signing period. There was a lot of stuff that was happening during that time, right? It felt like every day we were getting some sort of new news or movement, whether it was coaching staff, guys coming um, through the transfer portal, recruits coming in, guys decommitting, people entering the transfer portal. There was a lot happening um, during that those few weeks. So I think everybody needed a week or so uh, to decompress and I do expect things to pick up here quite a bit uh, over the rest of this week. Okay Greg before we get to what's to come uh, I do need to hear about the one big piece of news and that was Hunter Anthony committing to Nebraska and and the interesting thing here was he was playing in Oklahoma State's bowl game just a couple days ago uh, where he he had some limited snaps I know he was a guy uh, who was supposed to start this year for Oklahoma State and I think he had an injury during fall camp kind of held him back a little bit he got some snaps uh, against Notre Dame and even got a doubt Mike Gundy and Gatorade and then 24 hours later he's announcing on Twitter that he's committed to Nebraska you got the chance to speak with him Uh, so can you give me some some takeaways from him and, and did you get a chance to watch him play in that game against Notre Dame yeah, it was a super interesting situation where you have a player that played in a bowl game, a big bowl game, uh, and then transfer, you know, very shortly after. But I think that that was always the plan for him. Um, and part of the reason in talking to Hunter, like, like after he committed and talking to him before he committed, um, after he took his official visit in December to Nebraska, was that he was really appreciative of the way that Mike Gundy and Oklahoma State uh, staff treated him after they said, after he told them that he was going to enter the transfer portal. Um, and so it was important to him to be able to finish things out the right way with his team. So it wasn't as if, you know, he played one day and he just up and decided to leave the next day. I think it was always in the works and so much so that he even got in on some snaps right during that game. And so I just think, I think that that was actually a really good sign for his character and what type of teammate that he is. Um, you're right that he was, he was scheduled to start uh, to start this season and then got an injury. Uh, but he told me um, a couple of days ago that he, he's ready to come to Nebraska and compete. He gets here, I think, around January 8th or 9th. Um, he'll be here in time for winter conditioning and second semester. Um, and he's ready to come and compete and learn from Coach Rayola. We're talking to Greg Smith. So, I mean, Coach Rayola, he's going after guys, and it looks like uh, he's also offering uh, J.D. DiRenzo uh, coming out a few minutes ago. Looks like you picked up an offer uh, from Nebraska. What's this guy's deal? Apparently he's, he's being uh, looked at by a lot of schools. Yeah, he's got a ton of offers over the last like five or six days, and, and about half of them, it seems like, come from Big Ten teams. Um, I know Purdue, Minnesota, Rutgers, and a few others, um, in addition, obviously, to Nebraska today, offered him as, I think he's a guy um, that was an FCS All-American. Um, Nebraska um, could do worse than to go after FCS All-Americans, and Nebraska needs to continue to beef up um, those offensive line numbers, and both numbers and skill, um, considering it probably needs a little bit of an overhaul at that position 
position after what we saw last year um, with kind of a major regression with that group um, that led to them having a new position coach, obviously. But I think that he, he's a kid that's going to be really interesting. He's got no shortage of options uh, this offseason. Well, Greg, you talk about the offensive line needing instant upgrade. Do you think they've gotten that in Hunter Anthony and uh, Kevin Williams Jr.? Those are the two transfer guys that have uh, committed. They're in the boat so far. Uh, and I think both those guys expect to be competing for playing time next year. But, but do, do you think that the, the prospects uh, are going to be open for them to be playing next year? Or, or are they better than what Nebraska already has to, to, uh, to quote? I guess not quote, but uh, to reiterate what Scott Frost said when Joe Burrow was coming here, is he, is he better than what we have right now? Uh, are these offensive linemen better than what Nebraska has right now? Uh, probably in some cases. I think that they're going to – I think that any offensive line transfer looking at Nebraska – um, is doing the math and saying, listen, I think I can go in there and maybe compete for a starting job. Um, I don't think, and I wrote this a couple of days ago, I don't think that anyone on Nebraska's offensive line uh, should be comfortable and that they're going to just come back in and lock down a starting spot next year. I guess really the only exception to that would be Teddy Prohaska, but he's injured right now and still recovering from that knee surgery. Um, and so they do expect to have him back eventually, of course, but you know, it, it's probably not going to, he's not going to be ready to go uh, for winter ball. Right, and so I think that everyone should have their head on a swivel and ready to compete. And so, if I'm a transfer guy coming in at offensive line, I'm kind of looking my chops, thinking, "Hey, I can come in and make an impact right away." And we have no idea who's going to play center for Nebraska next year. Yeah, I was just going to ask you that. Does Nebraska need a center transfer? I mean, we've heard uh, Nuradin Nueli could be playing center next year. I know he he got some uh, some reps in practice there. But does it make more sense for, for Nebraska to go try to find a guy in the transfer portal? Maybe Kevin Williams can play some center? It just it, That seems to be the big unanswered question whenever you have some new guys that look like they, they have positions they could be slotting in. Center just feels so unknown right now, and this almost feels like the coaching staff wasn't expecting Cam Jurgens' departure. Yeah, I, I I would not be surprised if they try to get a center, um, but I could see them going either way. That, this is one of those things going to be really interesting with Coach Donovan Rayola is that he's got to try to juggle at the same time, getting to know the players that he already has, evaluate them on film, and try to figure out what he needs to bring in from high school or the transfer portal. And so, you, if you're him, you probably are thinking, I need to bring in a center or at least someone with some experience snapping the ball um, so that we can have some open competition here. But if I had to like guess right now, I would say that the rest of the center next year is already on the roster and somebody that's going to get moved into that center role. Um, it's just going to be tough to guess like who that actually is going to be. Uh, but I would probably like to see them go after a center uh, in the transfer portal this offseason. We're talking to Greg Smith. So, you know, with all this transfer action going on, on. It's hard, or you know, it's easy to get distracted from just general recruiting. And I saw just a few hours ago, Mikey Pauly uh, from the Kansas City area committed to Nebraska as a football player, but then also a baseball player. What can you tell me about this guy? Yeah, so he was committed to, to Nebraska and Will Bolt uh, to play baseball, I think, last year. And then he got a couple of football offers, decommitted from, from Nebraska baseball to per, potentially pursue football. I think Kansas and a couple other schools were the ones that offered him in football. Um, it looks like he's back kind of in the boat here um, to play both baseball and football at Nebraska. He plays in football, he plays uh, quarterback. He's a 6'5 kid that's kind of mobile, um, dual-threat guy. So it'll be interesting to see. He's a really good athlete, um, but he wasn't heavily recruited uh, to play football. So it'll be interesting to see if he can just kind of get in the mix and he gives Nebraska 
Nebraska another body um, at quarterback. But I think that you're going to see, you know, obviously another quarterback is come in at least one, um, and that's kind of the million dollar question going forward for all fans out there. Yeah, and aside from him, is it all quiet on the quarterback front? Would you say, uh, Greg Smith, to, to quote one of my favorite books we were forced to read back in high school, all, all quiet on the quarterback front. I think it's quiet right now. I don't expect that it stays quiet for very long. Like, I would be surprised if Nebraska makes it to that January 14th date, which is the day where you can first have official visits again um, without having the quarterback in the boat. It just feels like it's going to get wrapped up before a guy is able to come for an official visit. But that being said, as we just saw the Caleb Williams news, dominoes continue to fall and new guys come available. And it's not just that, hey, Nebraska can go get Caleb Williams. They're not going to be able to get him, let's be honest. But what that does is is that makes a domino effect of maybe a guy that Nebraska was looking at potentially now looks at Oklahoma and then kind of things slide down from there for, to kind of mess up Nebraska's original plans. Yeah, Greg, I mean, you're right with with these dominoes still falling. And some of the dominoes that are yet to fall still for Nebraska are, are some coaching positions. Uh, we have Ron Brown maybe going to be announced as the running back coach. Maybe they're going to be looking out of house or uh, out of – uh, the, the school out of Scott Frost's own staff. So we're unsure there, but it sounds like Dawson going to slot in as a defensive line coach and Bill Bush maybe getting a spot in the secondary in addition to being a special teams coach. Uh, not much news on, on the, the coaches front, but maybe feels like we're getting closer to a decision. Yeah, I think we're getting. I think it. Uh, I feel very good about Mike Dawson taking kind of a defensive front position. Like he was already coaching. I think the field, if I'm correct, on the actual positions, outside linebackers, um, and Eric Chenander was coaching the guys like JoJo in that nickel spot. So I would expect that to stay um, in that way, and then Dawson to take over the defensive line, and it won't be all that much of a change because Dawson coached the defensive line when he first came to Nebraska. I do think that Bill Bush will end up as the special teams coach. They like having him on staff. He did a good job of bringing in those specialists that have come over on scholarship in the portal this offseason. I'm curious on what happens with that running back position. If it were me, I would not um, just hand the job to Ron Brown without doing kind of a thorough search of outside guys that could maybe get you a little more juice on the recruiting trail um, because I think that you have an opportunity if you're Scott Frost to take a big swing um, and see what kind of a running back that guy could bring with him the same way that Mickey Joseph was able to bring a four-star guy um, or a high three-star guy like the coldest Crawford in at wide receiver. You're not getting that with Ron Brown. You might get that with someone outside the program. So I would look strong and hard uh, with that. You can find him on Twitter at Greg Smith HV. He's Hale Varsity's recruiting insider. Greg, appreciate finally getting a chance to talk to you. Uh, a lot of thoughts over 10 days being able to be, uh, to be uh, thought out here. Uh, so, Greg, thanks for joining us today and have the happiest 2022. Hey, happy new year. Nurse that, that back injury, man. You got it, man. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. A happy new year to you and yours. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery, our first show of 2022 and our first show after a long pause as uh, we were playing bowl games here for our local listeners on ESPN. Lincoln Hale Varsity Radio is back, though. It's Elijah Herbal alongside Will Wilson. Find us on Twitter at Herbal Essences for myself and at Willie on the radio. Uh, for Will, and uh, you can tweet at us, give us your thoughts. That's the best way to get connected with us today. So we have a tweet in from Dan, and uh, Dan says, 
If Will Sirius, a good buddy of mine, is a chiropractor, Will. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Dan. And yes, I am serious. It does hurt. Uh, but, you know, kind of sitting here leaning back and not moving, it feels fine. So I'm, I'm able to do this. I feel fine right now. But when I get up and walk around, it's not good. It's not good. It's a true professional right there. Yeah. You know, he, he's, he's found his limitations. It's like a, a quarterback that's uh, hurt like a finger on their pinky and like they, they change their throwing motion a little bit to, to hide the pinky uh, injury, you know, oh. or... Uh, huh. Or like a, a basketball player who uh, changes their jump shot a little bit because their ankles hurt, you know, and they want to land on the right. left instead yeah. of the right. It's, it's Will sitting here doing his radio uh, instead of standing and walking around as he usually does his radio. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm in disguise. Oh, you're right, I'm in disguise. So, Will, the, I mean, I guess, I guess the big story in sports from this weekend, aside from Antonio Brown walking out on the Buccaneers, we'll get into that a little bit next hour, uh, was the college football playoff and less excitement about the college football playoff and more disappointment that it's yet another college football playoff championship game between Georgia and Alabama as uh, Alabama took down Cincinnati and Georgia took down Michigan in commanding fashion. Uh, I think, I mean, both these teams are the betting favorites. This was the the odds on favorite to be the national championship. I I think a lot of people still disappointed that the college football playoff is still this predictable. Well, and I thought, I think a lot of people thought Michigan would give Georgia a run. Um, you know, Cincinnati going undefeated. I guess some people thought they would maybe give Alabama a run. And Cincinnati, I think, matched up better with Bama than the final score would indicate. It was a game that, that was, Kay. I think, the, the talent differential was smaller than the, the 28 point lead that, uh, or the 20 point win that Alabama ended up getting. It, it wasn't that, like, the, the, the talent gap wasn't that huge. It was the fact that Cincinnati um, really only got dominated in one phase of the game. I wouldn't even call it domination. It was just that they lost in the trenches. Yeah. They lost in the trenches, and that was a difference in the game there. They, they played up to Bama in a lot of other positions. I mean, their secondary did a pretty good job with the Alabama wide receivers. Uh, their pass rush did an all right job uh, getting to, to Bryce Young, but it, it came down to they couldn't stop the run, and they couldn't establish the run, and that was the difference in the game. And I guess it was the same in the Georgia, the Georgia Michigan game as it well, was. which I talked about earlier, where Georgia just ran all over Michigan. Yeah, I mean both games were blowouts, and that's what we keep seeing. We keep seeing the same, you know, championship, and you know, I guess it's good in some ways, right? I mean that's how good rivalries get born, right? Continuing to see each other in the in the championship, right? Nebraska, Miami, you know, all that. I, I guess this is how that happens with with Alabama and Georgia, but I'm I'm tired of seeing it. I'm, I'm super. I mean, but we knew these were the two best teams all year. I mean, they were one and two in the college football playoff. That's rankings. true. Just just about that's true. The entire year. Yeah. Um. But my problem is, is those games were sleepers, and you look at the other games, which are now less important because they're not a part of the college football playoff. And, and the Rose Bowl was great. The Cotton Bowl was great. Uh. The Sugar Bowl was somewhat boring but still pretty good there were other good games and i don't understand why those teams don't get a shot at the college football playoff not to get on my well that's evidence that the expansion would work i mean if they want to get more eyes and make more money that would work he said it all of these games were really good and if that's part of the playoff i'm watching every single time right now i don't even really want to watch these for i didn't i didn't even watch the first games all of them I didn't. Are, are, are you planning on? I assume. I mean, we're working in sports talk radio here. We're probably going to have to watch the national championship yeah. game so we can talk about it. Well, but it's going to be a good game, and that's why I can't be too mad. Is because we're getting the best teams. Yeah, we're getting the best two teams in the championship. That should be the goal. So I I can't be mad at that. But as far as the first rounds, I mean, why are we even doing that? You know, let's just go back to the BCS then. Just take the top two in the nation. Well, and that's it's in a year like this. Whenever you know who the top two teams are. 
I mean, I guess you got, you got to play them all out because anything can happen in, in a playoff. But it just it feels like the quality of bowl season has been going down every single year since the college football playoff has been instituted. Was there a team that you watched in a bowl game that you think maybe could have beat Alabama or Georgia? Uh, part of me wants to say Ohio State's offense was good enough to hang with those two teams. Yeah, but the, I mean, both the of them fact, looked the, the looked fact good. that Utah could put up forty two points on Ohio State, right. like. Well, who knows how much the defense was. You know, it's a bowl game. I mean, but Utah had the same game plan that Michigan had, uh, at least offensively, which is they were going to run the ball early and often uh, and, and try to say, tell Ohio State, toughen up and stop us. And it worked well for Utah. Um, I mean, they even kept on moving the ball whenever their quarterback went down. So I don't think it was Ohio State. Ohio State probably is the only team in the country that had the talent to match up truly with Bama and Georgia, but I don't think they were going to beat either of them. Yeah, I- I'm with you. And that's why it's tough to make the argument that I want to make because there's reasons to back up the 14 playoff, and we're seeing it right now. But we, there's also reasons why we should want a playoff because there's so much good football to be played. There's there's a lot of good football that is being kept out of the playoff right yes. now. We, we can get into college football playoff expansion here in just a little bit, but I look at the, the national championship game between Alabama and Georgia, and I really could care less who wins. Yeah, like, me too. I, I could care less who wins in that game. I, I'm going to be rooting for a good game, sure. I'll root for a game that comes down to the fourth quarter and we get some points and it's fun to watch. You'll be rooting for what you have action on. But, I mean, but my problem with it is it's going to be a, a, probably a 7.30 or 8 o'clock kick on a Monday night by the time you finally get through all the pregame, and you're going to watch it and it's going to finish at 11.30 at night, and you're going to say, okay, well, either Georgia yeah. or Alabama is going to win another national championship. I'll be going to bed early. I will be. I'll, I'll, I'll Maybe I'll turn on a movie. Maybe I'll even put on the PS4 that day. I don't know, but I, I will not be watching all of it. Um, it's 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 not. I'm not gonna say it's gonna be the same game of what we saw last year, but you know, same teams. It's it's just you know the same parody. Let's change it up. Paul joins us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Again, you can call the show 402-466-3776. Paul, we got about 90 seconds here. What are, what are your thoughts? Bama, Mich- or Bama, Alabama, making it through. Yeah, I don't think anyone's really all that surprised. But are you enthused? Yeah, they're in it. Go, go, SEC, yay, yay, whatever. <laughs> My comment, though, would be the concept, we need to expand the playoff just so that we can get all the best players to stick around mm-hmm. for the bowl games. How much better would uh, Ohio State have looked if they had Chris Olave and the other guys that they're decided both, that they're yeah. going to go pro? Mm-hmm. Good point. Absolutely. They would have been much more competitive and thus, if you have them in a bowl game in the playoff, there you go. Maybe, yeah. they, maybe they are up there. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not rooting for Ohio State. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you. That's not, we, we didn't think you were, Paul. Okay. Yes. Just want to make sure we make one thing clear. I'm just diehard Huskers. I love it. Speaking of which, let's uh, lose the last part of your uh, 90 seconds here. Chubba, what's our Chubba report? I need, I need me some Chubba. Yeah, is that is that your guy? He's the he's the only guy left, right? Well, <laughs> so, I mean, would you? My question is, would you rather have an unproven guy from Texas or Florida State, or are you just rather roll with Smothers, who had a really good game against Iowa? Smothers, I love the kid, but I just don't think he's got it not yet. Mm-hmm. I think Harburg's got a better chance of turning us around than uh, Smothers mm-hmm. does. Okay. And therefore, yeah, let's get an, another name in, along with the true freshman coming in, and to see which of those four can uh, give us the best opportunity to win next year. 
Well, Paul, uh, thanks for uh, the call today. I'll be rooting for Alabama for you and Ohio State. I know how big of a fan you are, so uh, thanks for the call today, Paul. Not Alabama. Not Alabama. (laughs) I don't know if I like Georgia, but I will never root for Bama. You and me both. You and me both. Paul, have a good one. Thank you, guys. He's in his 20s. But sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's... Elijah. Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. As you heard the intro say, it's Elijah Herbal here alongside Will Wilson, taking you through your first show of the new year. Happy January 3rd to everybody, all who celebrate. As uh, it's Elijah Herbal here filling in for Chris Schmidt. As uh, Chris enjoying the sun down in Arizona one more day, he's going to be back in on a Wednesday, uh, sitting in alongside Will Wilson. Yeah, our uh, our voice guy works for free, so we weren't able to uh, get an updated uh, voiceer for that intro. So you did a good job. Yeah, did, good did, job. did, did my best there yeah. uh, to intro the show for you all. Didn't want to. I've played that before. It's just been so confusing to be like, ah, it's uh, it's actually not a man in his forties named Schmidt doing no. the show today. It's uh, it's me, Elijah Herbal. You're 22, 22 going on 23. Yeah, good for you. Yeah, I feel like I. I I feel like I blinked. Like I, I was 19. I blinked. COVID happened, and now I'm 23 years old. Um, almost 23 <laughs> years old. Get there. Uh, but uh, Will, one thing I didn't mention off the top of the show was that we had a shared experience uh, during our, our week away from uh, from working these shows, and that was that we were both dog sitting. Yes, right. We were. So I, I need to ask about the dog you were. So I was uh, I was dog sitting in a nice little is half chocolate lab half Aussie Shepherd named Suki. Very nice dog, about a year old. A lot of energy, but we, we had a good time together. I, I need to ask what the dog you were, you were uh, yeah, caretaking uh, for. Yeah, similar to, I, I think the dogs you were, I, there was actually two dogs okay. I was taking care of. Yes, yeah, not one, but two dogs. And one of them was a, um, I think it was a chocolate lab as well. Mm-hmm. I'm not very good with my dog breeds, so bear with me. And the other one was, I swear, it's like, it's like a shepherd of some sort. It's not a German shepherd, but it's it's got the shepherd, you know, tone to it. So it's something in shepherd. Don't know what the other part is. Uh, but lo- like you, a lot of energy. Um, you know, and I had to stay at their house. It's kind of a weird thing to me. Like, you know, going to stay at the house that's not mine. You know, sleeping in a bed that's not mine. Kind of a weird thing to me. But I got through it. Uh, and the dogs, man, they, they got a lot of energy. Did not get much sleep. But I love them. And uh, always, always down to help out some friends. Uh, you a dog guy or a cat guy? Love them both. You got to pick a side. No, no, no. I can't. I love them both. I've never had a cat, if that tells you something. Okay. I, I've always had dogs, but I, I love cats and dogs. See, I, I, I like them both objectively. Like, if I was sh- sharing my house, it kind of depends, like, on the situation. If I'm just sharing my house with a roommate, I'd pick a cat as a roommate, not a dog as a roommate. But, like, for the companionship, for having a friend, I'm going to pick the dog all day. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I can talk to my cat, and it's not the same as talking to my dog. Yeah, dogs are good friends. I can, I, can have, I can have a good conversation with the dog. Like, the cat just feels like they don't care. They walk away from you. Yeah. They'll flick their tail at you and like be like, "Shut up." Yeah, but well, my dog is kind of ornery sometimes. He'll he'll just you'll call his name and he'll walk away. You know, it happens. Dogs <laughs> are and cats are. You know, they can be stubborn. Like it, stubborn. Objectively speaking, cats are cuter to look at, but dogs are just like better. Yeah, but there's some cute dogs out there, though. There are some really cute dogs. There's some cute dogs. No, and I want a cat someday because, you know, they kill the mice. They keep the mice out of your house, and I don't like mice. No, by the way, don't like snakes either. If you have a snake as a pet, I think you're insane. 
There he is, Will Wilson. As uh, you now know our preferences on pets, if anyone cared, uh, you now know our preferences on pets. So, uh, Will, not a cat guy, not a dog guy, likes them both. Me, I'll, I'll stick on the dog side, but yes, right. Don't hate cats. Uh, we'll have uh, Jacob Padilla give us his thoughts on the topic coming up after the break. Also, going to talk some Husker basketball, and we had a full week of uh, holiday tournaments around high school basketball. We'll get into that with Jacob as well. That's all coming up after the break. You're listening to Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Hour two up next. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Rolling into hour two here on Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal, Will Wilson filling in for Chris Schmidt today, taking a little bit of an extended holiday vacation. As uh, we got a lot to talk about, a lot we got into back in hour one. We had Greg Smith join us. If you miss anything back in hour one, you can catch us in podcast form, ESPNLincoln.com. Uh, without any further ado, we got to welcome in the man on the hoop scene. That's Jacob Padilla. You can find him on Twitter at Jacob Padilla underscore. And Jacob, before we get into the nuts and bolts, talking Nebraska, Ohio State, some Metro tournaments, uh, all that, I need to ask you, New Year's, are, are you a fan of the holiday as a whole? Part of me thinks it's a little bit stupid, but I get it. It's, it's nice to have a celebration every single year, but it feels a little bit silly with that holiday coming only a week after Christmas. Like you get this awesome Christmas celebration, and we go, okay, we're, we've made an arbitrary start to a new year, and we're going to celebrate it. Are, are, are you a party pooper like that, or do you just enjoy the holiday for what it is? I have honestly never really spent much time thinking about it. <laughs> I mean, it, it, is, it is kind of strange, like the, just the timing of it, how... Um, sometimes you just get like the whole week off. Sometimes there's like days in between holidays. Like you got to, some people have to go back to work for a couple of days and then you get the holiday again. Um, so, but on the other hand, it is kind of just like a, an entire week of, uh, I mean, people refer to basically a couple of weeks in December as the holidays for a reason. Cause it's just easier to include everything together so uh, I, I mean i'm not opposed to it the more holidays the better as far as i'm concerned yeah that's that's a that's a great point and uh jacob especially more holidays whenever the husker basketball team just finds on finding ways to lose games like it just feels like i need a break i need to step away and like count down and watch a ball drop because i can't watch any balls drop uh for the husker basketball team it feels like everything's just bouncing out of the rim but last night uh, a little bit of a different story as they were able to shoot the three with some effectiveness and they feel like they, they got some three at good times, generated some turnovers, kept the ball safe for the most part, and they were taking on a team that hadn't played basketball in a few weeks, yet they still couldn't find a way to get it done. I just want to get your, your, your first, your main takeaways from that game last night against Ohio State. Yeah, um, I mean, it's not really anything we haven't seen before with this team. Uh, they've shown they're capable of putting together stretches of good basketball and doing it against good teams as well. Um, but we've also seen that they, they have a really hard time sustaining what has been working for them. And some of that is some of that is kind of the skill sets and talent on the team. Some of it's just habits of the guys on the team and what they fall back into. And um, third time now that they've had a chance to win a game or to seal a game at the free throw line and haven't been able to do it. 
and you could see it just looked like nerves there. Both both those shots from Man were way short. The second one almost uh, barely got to the rim, so it, it kind of looks like nerves in, in that moment. And there's not really anything as a coach you can do to prepare for that. I mean, guys just have to step up and, and make plays in, in those moments, and Nebraska just hasn't been able to do that. And we've seen again the kind of the the bad habits, uh, huge dunk from Man. And he's celebrating. The team's excited. They're feeling it. And Ohio State, meanwhile, is taking the ball out and pushing up the floor. And Nebraska gets into a scramble situation and give up a three. And suddenly go from five uh, of five with 36 seconds left to uh, only up two with 30 seconds left. And then you have to go into the, the press break and, and the, the getting fouled and shooting free throw situation. So, um, it, again, it's just you see those bad ha- habits pop up at the worst possible times. And, that's what happened in that game where it cost them again. Um, once you – I mean, I sitting up there, once they, they got to overtime, I never felt like Nebraska had a shot. Yeah. Um, and then Ohio State knocked down that first three, knocked down three threes basically right away to push that thing to six. And Nebraska was never in it after that. We're talking to Jacob Padilla. You know, Jacob, last night, I, the defense from Nebraska, the intensity on the defensive side really caught my eye. And we've you know seen it the past – few months or excuse me weeks that you know this team we questioned whether they were really trying as hard as they could in some games last night on the defensive end I think they did and I think that's why uh, we almost won that game did you like the defensive intensity last night yeah to a certain degree so they they did a great job of kind of what the scouting report the game plan was in terms of taking away Ohio State strengths um, really uh, locking down on the post. Derek Walker did a great job individually. Latman had some good stretches. And then their, their double teams uh, and plugging up the driving lanes and forcing forcing tough shots, that was all on point. The problem was uh, the the extra efforts outside of that once they, they got the ball kicked around and um, the transition defense, that, that's, that stuff is hard. That really takes extra effort and it just wasn't there. They gave out so many wide-open threes. I mean, Malachi Brandon had an out-of-body experience, like dude had 63 points on the season in 10 games and went off for 35. But that's because most of his shots were wide-open threes or uncontested drives to the rim where he just blow by his defender and there wasn't any help. Um, so those are easy shots, and it's not hard for a good player to, to get hot uh, when those are the looks that he's getting. So Nebraska did a, a really good job defensively in certain regards, but they weren't able to put together a complete defensive performance. And that, and that's how you lose a game where you hold the opponent's top two scores to uh, 17 points on 5 of 19 shooting is because the, the attention detail outside of that um, wasn't there. And Hoiberg said they kind of changed up their game plan a little bit as the game went on and went away from some of the double teaming and just asked Walker to kind of go one-on-one more with Liddell on the post. And that still continued to work. Again, Liddell only hit two shots the entire game. Um, but they had other guys step up. They, a couple times they went under a screen on Jamari Wheeler, who um, he's Penn State transfer. He's not a big-time scorer. Throughout his career, he's been more of a kind of set the offense up um, hardly shoot the ball type of point guard, and that's what he's been this season again. He's averaging like six points a game. Um, he goes off for 16, hits four, uh, four or five from three, and a couple of those were Nebraska's going under the screen, and he's like, all right, I'm going to take this. And that's that's a guy that isn't normally in that situation deciding, you know what, I'm going to make a play here, and he did it. 
Um, so that's that's kind of that really hurts when you do feel like you execute so well in a certain area, but the other team's still able to to uh, exploit you and take advantage of kind of the openings that creates. And that's where um, Nebraska has to just continue to get better. You've got to get a little bit. Those closeouts, uh, those rotations have to come a little bit faster. In transition, you have to get back and not put yourself in scramble situations. And that still is happening too much. So you do have long stretches where they're playing really good basketball, but a mistake here or there uh, can really cost you and kind of waste that effort. Jacob Bedillo is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Jacob, that's kind of been my struggle in evaluating this game last night is there was things you were happy with as a Nebraska basketball fan with the intensity on defense. It felt like the physicality was there. Uh, they were doing well as a team rebounding with some notable exceptions on certain possessions, but generally they, they did better rebounding. They were getting good looks inside, and uh, those good looks inside helped them generate some good looks from the perimeter, yet all those things were going well for Nebraska, and they still found a way to lose that game last night. So are, are you optimistic that Nebraska is fixing some of these issues and getting better? Are you still optimistic or pessimistic that, well, Nebraska did all these things right and they still lost the game? As we get into Big Ten season, how should we read that game? Yeah, I'm kind of getting to that point where we were with the football team, where um, just I, I'm not going to assume that uh, the progress is going to be there and show results until it actually happens. Because, again, we this is – it looked like they had a huge chance to win this game. They were in control and they just – could not make those plays when it mattered most. And that's um, about half their losses so far this season are situations like that. Really, Michigan and Auburn are the only two games this season where Nebraska was just outclassed and just didn't have it that day. Um, every other game, they've had a chance to win, and they haven't been able um, to, to take advantage of those opportunities. And until they start to do, uh, to do that, it's hard for me to, to go in confidence that um, this is going to be the game that they'll get it done. And so they just have to they have to keep keep uh, chipping away, keep trying to get better, keep uh, refining some of the changes they're making. I think Trey McGowan's uh, his return, uh, which hopefully here in the next couple of weeks uh, he'll have a chance to to get back on the court. I think that that will change things a little bit for them in terms of kind of the team ceiling and what they're able to do in in certain matchups. Uh, he's not going to come in and be a twenty point a game scorer and. Um, kind of completely turn the season around, but uh, the role he, he he can play is something that they just don't have right now in terms of a guy that can actually stay in front of somebody on defense. And I feel like they would have won the NC State game had McGowan's been able to play because um, I think he would have done a better job on Darian Sebron than anybody else Nebraska had out there. I feel like he could have done a better job on Branham than what they had out there last night uh, and slowing that down. So I think he can come in and make an impact um we'll see kind of what size that impact will be and how long it'll take him to kind of get back to to full strength and get in a uh, game rhythm but this team isn't uh, isn't complete yet they're still kind of working some things out they're still progressing forward so they can i, I think they are getting better they're, they're starting to adjust some things but it feels like whenever they make a step forward in one area they kind of take a step back in the other and they're still kind of right where um, they have been throughout most of the Hoiberg era. Jacob, just a quick big picture question here. I know uh, Trey McGowan's returning should be big for this team, but it's not what Nebraska feels like they need most this year, which is just a, a better presence in the post. Do you think that's a long-term issue that needs to be addressed uh, by Hoiberg and his staff, that they need better post presence to be able to survive in the Big Ten? 
I, I don't agree with that. I think okay. uh, Derek Walker has been their best player by far this season, most consistent, steadiest, 15 and 10 last night. Um, and they completely, they, Nebraska won the post battle significantly in that game against one of the best post teams in the country. Um, the problem was they couldn't stay in front of anybody on the perimeter. So I, I do feel like that is one of the biggest weaknesses right now on this team. Derek Walker isn't the most talented player. He's not the biggest guy, but he's a good enough player that you, you can win with him as your starting five in, in the Big Ten. The problem is they just don't have uh, enough around him right now. Um, and, and they are starting to kind of shift things around to, to feature him a little bit more. Um, defensively, he's so valuable. He's always in the right spot. Like that charge he took on E.J. Liddell was a huge play, especially considering Walker had three fouls himself at that point. And then to go and draw Liddell's fourth foul with a great box out, I think he had a 7-0 run by himself during that stretch or scored seven straight himself anyway. Um, so I, I think Derek Walker is good enough. And they do have um, a guy that, that they're high on in Blaze Cada coming in next year um, with true center size. Um and has been playing very well at the junior college level. So we'll see kind of how he adjusts. But I think they're okay there. Um, they just they need more. They need steadier play at the point guard spot, and they need somebody that can stay in front of guys on the perimeter so that they're not in constant rotation defensively. Because that's where uh, you, you can really get whatever you want on Nebraska. Is you swing the ball until you find a guy with uh, that can get past his man, and then suddenly you got a double. You got to help got to rotate around and Nebraska just hasn't been precise enough with those rotations so um, I, I feel like McGowan's can impact the, the team in that area but then again uh, he's only one guy and everybody else is going to have to step up around him as well in that area. We're talking to Jacob Padilla. Jacob um, you know also over the uh, winter break we had conference tournaments in high school and I want to talk to you about the Metro tournament up in Omaha. They experienced with a shot clock and I think I read they also used a closer three-point line, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, how did these changes look to you um, and you know your thoughts on shot clock and high school? Yeah, so the three-point line, um, the, the issue was there they weren't able to get a regulation high school line uh, put down at Baxter Arena, just a combination of a lot of different things. Um, so basically I think – what they did is they just operated off of the women's college line, which is a little farther than the, the high school line. Mm. Um, and you actually couldn't – it was kind of hard to see because the, the line outside there was the, the, the men's line, the, the one that was real bold and stand, uh So it was kind of interesting. The refs had to really pay attention to, to see the line out there on the court. But any time you play on a court where you've got the kind of multiple three-point lines – kids are always going to shoot from the farthest one. And, um, that's just kind of how it always is. But uh, in terms of the shot clock, um, I, I, I thought it went really well. Um, there were only a, a handful of kind of issues where there was a, a kind of user error or the officials made a mistake or something like that using uh, relating to the shot clock. For the most part, it went pretty smoothly. And there was maybe if one uh, shot clock violation per game in the totality of um, all the games that I was there for, at least. Like it was, it wasn't something that you felt on every single possession. For the most part, um, teams did what they would have done anyway. Um, there were maybe a few games where it did impact the pace a little bit, but I think the biggest impact was kind of the end of quarters and then the fourth quarter because I went uh, watching those games 
uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday, and, and then going down to the hack final at Lincoln Southeast, uh, which wasn't using the shot clock, just kind of normal. And you could tell the difference. Like, you don't have teams holding uh, for the final for one shot with a minute to go in, in the third quarter. Um, you don't have teams just stalling throughout the fourth quarter once they get a five- to seven-point lead. Um, teams have to continue to execute all the way down to the final minute. And I, I definitely think it improves kind of the overall viewing experience uh, more so than uh, the other way in terms of, oh, kids just chucking up prayers at the end of the, the clock all the time. I, I didn't really think that happened. It was, uh, it was minimal impact in terms of the overall play, but I thought it did help in certain areas. I and mean, um, I, I think it probably could have went about as well as they would have hoped. And hopefully we continue to, to progress towards that more as the norm in coming years. Jacob, could we keep you around for like two more minutes on the other side of the break? If not, it's fine. But I want to hear about this Omaha West Side team. Yeah, sure. I can stick around. Appreciate it, Jacob. Jacob, two more minutes uh, with Jacob Padilla on the other side of the break. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. A few more minutes here with Jacob Padilla. Jacob, so kind as to stick around for a few more minutes for this segment as we were talking to finish that last segment about the Metro Tournament up in Omaha. There were holiday tournaments across uh, high school basketball uh, in the state over the past couple of weeks. Uh, Northeast, Lincoln Northeast, that is taking home the Heartland Athletic Conference uh, Championship and Omaha Westside taking home the Metro Conference Championship. Westside had a, uh, a tough route to get through that conference championship uh, as they beat the two top teams in the state from last year, Millard North and Bellevue West. Is that correct, uh, Jacob? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a really strong run by Westside. And Westside had already faced Millard North earlier in the year, um, at second game of the season, actually. Um, and Millard North won that by 13 and was kind of in control throughout that one. So uh, Westside kind of cleaned up against some lesser teams outside of that since then. But you're kind of wondering, yeah, they brought everybody back from last year, but um, how good are they really? Are they in that top tier? And they went out this last week and showed they absolutely belong there, like you said, knocking off. Miller North and knocking off Bellevue West and back to, uh, well, I guess they had a break in between there on Wednesday and Friday. Um, anyway, back-to-back games. And it feels like they really kind of found what they need to, the way that they need to play to be successful. Um, junior Tate Advadi is has uh, become kind of a really efficient scorer for them, and he had 20, um, 20 in, the, in the championship game. Uh, it was really good, and the semifinal as well, just scoring the ball. And then you've got guys like Chandler Meek stepping up in big moments and, and putting the team on his back for stretches. You've got hustle players like Reggie Thomas. You've got Logan Wilson who knocked down some big plays, uh, or knocked down some big shots in the final and made a big impact defensively. So um, I feel like they kind of settled in on the way that they need to play, and it starts with their defensive intensity. They were in W West shorts from uh, from the opening jump and really making them work to get open um, throughout the game and nothing they got came easily and in the end that, that ended up uh, that was enough to, to kind of give Westside the edge in that one because they're not the biggest Wilson's about six five or so good uh, shot blocker but outside of him basically they're playing a lot of guards um, so they they don't have a six eight 
uh, shot blocker like um, like William Kyle III for Bellevue West or Jason Green for Miller North. Um, but th- the way they can kind of make up for that is just one through five really uh, bringing the intensity defensively and getting up in people's faces. We're talking to Jacob Padilla. Jacob, thanks for your time. I just got to ask, you know, as far as Lincoln teams go, I feel like Northeast has been one of the biggest surprises uh, of the year. What do you like about uh, the Rockets so far? Yeah, I thought they had a chance to, to be a pretty solid team this year. I didn't, didn't quite see this coming, uh, but I, I was really impressed with what I saw from them in, in the hack final uh, against Lincoln Pius X. Um, and the thing about Northeast is they basically just they go six, seven deep and any one of those, especially the top six, um, any one of those guys could lead them in scoring in any given game. And I think basically all six of them have um, so far this season. Uh, Christian Wins had a really good start to his season. Uh, um, G. Gatnor was their leader in the final with 19 points off the bench. Um, they've got Porter Basil as a junior who's hasn't quite got it going offensively this uh, so far this season, but he's been really good defensively, blocking shots, rebounding. Um, Xander Beard is a really skilled scorer. Carlos Valdez is a physical kind of wing type. Uh, J- Jalen Lang is a, uh, kind of a solid player at the point, can finish well at the rim. So they just they don't have any superstars at this point, but they've got a lot of different guys that, that could make an impact on any given possession. And that's the way they win, just by doing it together on both ends of the floor. Last thought here, Jacob. Omaha has kind of dominated Lincoln in high school basketball over the past couple of years. Uh, is there any team in Lincoln that you can see making a run in a state tournament this year, uh, including that, that Northeast squad? I know they beat Pius in the championship game. Are those like the, the two teams from Lincoln that have a chance at giving some Omaha teams a run for their money this year? I think Lincoln Southwest is probably in that mix as well. Okay. Um, Northeast. Uh, kind of surprised everybody knocking them off in, in the hack semis. Uh, but th- that's still a good team w- with a lot of quality pieces. Um, I-, I think their upside is still there. They've got some young guys that, that I think will get better as the season goes on. You've got uh, a talented point guard in Ryland Smith, a veteran kind of do-it-all guy in Ben Hunziker, uh, and then some size on the inside as well. So I think Lincoln Southwest uh, belongs in that mix as well. I don't know that any of those Lincoln teams that I put in that top tier with Westside and Miller North and Bellevue West, but I think you start looking at, you get down to the four, five, six range, you could see a, a Northeast, you could see a Southwest kind of right in that mix with teams like Omaha Central uh, and Creighton Prep and, and teams like that. You can find him on Twitter at Jacob Padilla underscore. It's where you get the uh, the hookup on Husker Hoops, high school hoops. Uh, Jacob is the man on the hardwood. Jacob, appreciate you taking a couple extra minutes here into this second segment of Hour 2, and uh, have a lovely rest of your new year. Same to you guys. Thanks, Jacob. Good stuff there from Jacob Padilla. Again, if you missed that or Greg Smith's interview with us back in the first hour, you can find both of those uh, posted shortly on ESPNLincoln.com. I know the recruiting recon hit with Greg is already up on ESPNLincoln.com. Jacob should be up there soon as well. Or you can catch the entire show on the Hail Varsity YouTube page or wherever you like to get podcasts, Apple podcasts uh google play spotify just look at hail varsity radio you should be able to find the full show posted in all of those places and that's where you can make sure to stay up to date with us will before we get out this segment 
Uh, want to quickly get into this Caleb Williams news, uh, which we have now seen over Twitter about the past hour or so. Caleb Williams has in, uh, announced that he intends to enter his name into the transfer portal. This is obviously Oklahoma's star freshman quarterback, took over for Spencer Rattler about halfway through the year. And really, by all accounts, outplayed Spencer Rattler, led Oklahoma to a bowl game win over Oregon, now only a couple days later, entering his name into the transfer portal. But he made it very clear uh, in his post that he will be considering over the next couple days returning back to Oklahoma. But for now, he wants to see uh, how his options stack up, uh, seeing who's going to be contacting him in the transfer portal. I just don't understand the whole like, you know, you know, there's there's a chance I'm going to break up with you. Like, imagine being in a relationship. And she says to you, you know, in the next few days, there's a chance I'm going to break up with you, but there's also a chance that I'm going to stay with you. Like, how would you be feeling? You, you wouldn't want to stay with that girl, right? So I, I can't imagine how Oklahoma fans are feeling about this. Um, I know I would be in the middle. Like, you're thinking about quitting, then just quit. You know, if that's how you're feeling, then we don't want you anyways. Um, but, you know, I don't know how Sooner fans are feeling. I know that's how I'd be feeling. It's interesting how he says that it's still an option to return. And, I, and it is. You know, we've already seen some guys return after being in the portal. Uh, Miles Brennan. So, uh, but of course, Elijah, the, the fan base is heating up. And um, there's already memes being made about Nebraska and, and Williams. It's being talked about. Yeah. It's um, being brought up. This this silent sound you hearing from me is the sound of me rolling my eyes. And by the way, I could have swore Williams was already in the portal. Could have swore he announced he was doing that, but I was I guess I was wrong. It was just widely assumed that he was going to be in the portal, and you, you got to assume USC is the destination for him. Really? I mean, there's yeah. people out there saying like, oh, should Nebraska, should Ole Miss go try to get in and go try to get Caleb Williams? Yeah, good luck. Yeah, it's a hot commodity. Good luck. The man's he's going to go to USC. Like, well, why would you look at the, the this grander scheme of college football right now and go, well, I could stick with the coach who recruited me to Oklahoma and gave me a chance at Oklahoma and uh, is now going to USC and wants yeah. me at USC. Why would you look at that and go, you know what? Nebraska looks like a good option. Here's what you got to look out for. You First, you got to look out if Caleb Williams has a girlfriend that plays soccer somewhere because that's probably where he's going to transfer. Yeah. Um, if he doesn't, <laughs> then then we could be serious about this. Uh, but interesting, you know, like you said, we all thought this was going to happen. That's the next, uh, you know, big domino in the transfer portal, Caleb Williams. So, I mean, and we, we were talking about this for the the past couple of weeks, uh, especially the weeks before Christmas, I should say, uh, about this where the, the transfer quarterback portal is not even close to finishing up yet. There's still a lot of names in the portal, but now we're hearing uh, about this Texas kid. I can't remember his name. Casey Thompson. Casey Thompson. He's got yep. such a generic name. I'm so it, sorry. It is very generic. Casey yeah. Thompson. There's now people saying, well, could he go from Texas to Oklahoma? Whenever everyone before was saying, well, Casey Thompson to Nebraska makes a lot of sense, or Chuba uh, Purdy to Nebraska makes a lot of sense. There's still so many dominoes left to fall. I, I, I like Nebraska playing the slow game here, seeing what happens. And I, I've i been saying it. I said it back on the show this morning. I'd prefer if Nebraska even just go through spring football and see what they have here on the roster before you try to go and dive. Your, and I know that's, that's waiting a while before getting into the transfer portal. But yeah. I think there's going to be more transfer quarterback movement after the, the spring football period. I mean, we're seeing it after the yeah. bowl period, which was expected. Um, now you're going to – I don't mind waiting and seeing what you got in spring football, yeah. personally, um, because if we're honest here, if we're looking at the state of Nebraska, if we're looking in the mirror here, there's zero reason for Caleb Williams to transfer to Nebraska, aside from the fact that he's going to step in and be the instant starter. But yeah, most likely he's going to step in and be the instant starter at 95% of college football programs in the country. Yeah. So it makes the most sense to go to USC. Mm-hmm. Go, go follow Lincoln Riley. You're right. Uh, but you know everybody's talking about it. He's a good player. We know that. Um, you know, transfer portal. It's the new recruitment. 
Um, Elijah, can I, I can't help but bring up, you know, we just got to talking to Jacob Padilla. I want to talk about the shot clock in high school, okay, mm. because he talked about it at the Metro tournament. He said it went fine. He said, if anything, there was only one shot clock violation in all the games he watched. Do you think it's time for shot clock in high school? It has been time for a shot clock in high school. Th- this has been outdated for, there being no shot clock in college basketball has been outdated for about 20 years now. I mean, they added it 10 years ago in AAU tournaments where they added a shot clock. Um, so like the, the high school kids, whenever they're not in high school season are playing with a shot clock. If they go play college basketball anywhere, which I know that's not the goal for all high school basketball players, but really high school basketball is in part a proving ground for college basketball and they have shot clock in college basketball. It just feels like it's the rule of the sport now, especially with how basketball has been speeding up across all levels, be it pickup basketball or middle school basketball, or high school basketball, college basketball. It's been speeding up everywhere. Why not stick with the times and add a shot clock? There's that there's that bit in Family Guy uh, when they make fun of the WNBA. And it's just the, the players passing the ball around for two minutes, you know, not doing anything, just passing the ball. I mean, that's what we see in all levels of basketball in high school when a team is up big. I mean, there's nothing that's forcing them to take a shot. So I agree. It's 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 time. And if you've watched um, just a small amount of high school basketball, you would know that I think it's that, that it's time. Well, the argument against it has been what you need, you need an operator for the shot clock and you're going to have issues. And Jacob said they, they didn't have issues really at, at the Metro tournament. And we, we have the technology. I mean, all, most scoreboards they're making nowadays have a shot clock because, again, basketball uses a shot clock. It's just one of like the rules of the game. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, time for a shot clock in Nebraska high school basketball and high school basketball everywhere. Well, it's here. Uh, we, we're already seeing it, which is good. We'll see if, you know, next year they learn anything from it, and we'll see if uh, we advance even farther I mean, with it. Imagine if there was no play clock in high school football. Yeah. Like, be, you, you, it just stick with the times. Like, if there's no play clock, nobody would run a play. Keep the game. No one's <laughs> running a play in basketball. Yeah, that's true. We're at that point. People are just sitting there with the ball, saying, I'm going to protect this lead. Ugh. Ugh. We'll get into uh, what Kirk Herbstreet had to say this weekend. That's coming up after the break here on Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back in on a Monday as we're rolling through hour two here on Hale Varsity Radio. Numbers to get in on the show today, 402-466-3776. It's 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. We'd love to hear from you. So you can also tweet at us at Willie on the radio for the man sitting right in front of me. That is Will Wilson. And for me, you can tweet at me at Herbal Essences. Find us, give us a follow, give us your thoughts on the show today. And I'm sure we're uh, going to want to get your thoughts uh, on this next topic, which is what Kirk Herbstreet hit on a little bit this weekend. But before we get to that, uh, Got to give you a message from the Nebraska Department of Transportation Highway Safety Office. Uh, That's using your seatbelt saves lives and prevents injuries. Uh, But that is only if the seatbelt is properly worn. Make sure it's over the shoulder, across the waist, and down into that little clicker on your side. Uh, This is a message from the Nebraska Department of Transportation Highway Safety Office. Make sure you buckle up, especially now that we're through the holiday season. Keep your 2022 nice and safe. So, Will, what I want to get into here is, I mean, we got a lot of a lot of traction on Twitter. What did Kirk say? What is he up to? Well, I, I got it pulled up for you so we can uh, give it to you. This is from a little Sports Center hit on 
Saturday morning, uh, pre the Rose Bowl, uh, which is between Utah and Ohio State. And he got into the topic of players opting out. Uh. Here is Kirk Herbstreit. Money, the amount of money. Like, what's the difference as a player in saying these games are meaningless when, Des, we played in quote-unquote meaningless games. I mean, I know you guys were here a lot, but I just don't understand. If you don't make it to the playoff, how is it meaningless to play football and compete? Isn't that what we do as football players? We we compete. So I I don't know if if changing and expanding it is going to change anything. I really don't. I think this era of player just doesn't love football. That's what I was about to say. We're dealing with a total men- different mentality when we're dealing with these um, student athletes nowadays, especially the football players. I mean, their whole mentality right now is about the championship, the playoff. We got to get into the, the CFB or the CFP. And because of that, they don't value the bowl games. Now, when we were coming up, Herb Street and myself, like to go to a bowl game was a huge reward for a fantastic season. That's what it meant. It's like, okay, your team played this well, so you're going to be rewarded by going to this bowl game. You're going to get a ring. You're going to get swag. Now, kids don't really care about that. They're, they're, they, they have a sense of entitlement. And it's like if we're not going to the one that matters, then, you know, it just doesn't have as much value to them as it did us growing up. I, I- so there we have Kirk Herbstreit and some from Desmond Howard, too, saying this generation of player – is entitled. It's, it's it's not the same player who used to love football back in the nineties. Well, we'll get your instant reaction here in a second. But I, I listen to this and I go, well, yeah, of of, uh, of course they're putting themselves first. No, no offense, but it's like this. This is a college system which has profited off of them, has profited off their pay, made hundreds of millions of dollars over the course of their four-year career, the athletic department as a whole has over their pay, and they're getting pennies in terms of what this NIL is giving them. I mean, I know some players are making hundreds of thousands of dollars off NIL, but your average college football player, even a good college football player who could be going to the NFL, I mean, I think the median income for a college football player, NCAA Division One Power 5, was a little under $15,000 hmm. over the course of the year for the, for the average one, and that includes all the players who are making a million dollars or... Five hundred thousand dollars. You you factor that into that average. The average college football player is making a little under fifteen thousand dollars a year. That's from Open Doors. So, are they wrong to be putting themselves first after they have gone four years in a system which has essentially exploited them, profited off of them without them getting very much back in return? And you're going to be mad at them for putting themselves first mm. and saying, "Oh, my reward for playing well this season, my reward for helping the team get to a bowl game this year is not to go play in the bowl game. My reward is to go off to the NFL and go make my millions of dollars. And hey, somebody else who helped me all year, uh, a backup, uh, a guy who was backing me up all year and did his time on the sideline and put in his work, he gets the chance to go out and shine in the bowl game. Not that I'm, I'm happy seeing opt-outs, but I don't think that's what's killing college football. That's not what's killing bowl season is these, I mean, one or two players on the really good teams that decide, you know what, I'm going to put my future first and I'm going to go get my millions and not risk myself in a bowl game. That's not the problem with college football nowadays. Yeah, I don't know what Kirk was necessarily getting mad at. Was he getting mad at guys you know, not really caring about playing in bowl games, but do anyways because they didn't make the playoff? Or is he strictly talking about players opting it's, it's out? Fo- it's focused on the players that have opted out because their team did not make the college football playoff. I think f- since Kirk and um, and Desmond played college football, things have changed big time. Um, one thing that I think about is the pay in the NFL. It's a lot bigger now 
than it was when they were going into the NFL, right? And, and, and the difference between what it means to be a first-round pick or a seventh-round pick. That's exactly. I wonder if what if the pay we're seeing right now in the NFL was what it was when they were going into the NFL. I wonder if they would have different thoughts. I wonder if they would have even played uh, in their bowl games. You know, uh, things have changed so much. I understand it. It's a business decision. You don't want to get hurt. You don't want to, uh, you know, comprom- you know, or you know, get rid of millions of dollars you could be earning. Off one play, one more game. I I get it. I understand it. There's still a ton of guys who would love to play in that bowl game. Well, and the way I see it is, uh, I think the 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 tenure status in the NFL. I think you need is it seven full years of tenure to be able to get your uh, your lifetime pension. Dane just told us a couple it's, weeks it's, it's ago. Seven, it's seven or eight. It's, yeah. it's one of those two. And I look at it and I go, if you go pick up a knee injury in your bowl game or you break a bone, or it, it could just shorten your shelf life in the NFL. The NFL, I mean, I've heard it before. People say, what does the NFL stand for? Not for long. It's exactly what it is. And even if you are a, yeah. a sixth or a seventh round pick, um, if you can go accumulate seven years, eight years in the NFL, however long it is, you can be set for life. Yeah. It's also kind of a low blow to just go out and say, you know, call these kids. What, what What's the word that he used? Uh, entitled. Entitled. Now, we have used that before um, in college football. There's There's areas where that fits. I don't think this is one of them. I think that's kind of low for them to to say. And if I'm honest, the games that were on these past few weeks weren't terrible. There were some that you could see that maybe, you know, the defense wasn't quite there, but they were entertaining games. You could tell both teams wanted to win the game. Isn't that all we're asking for? I know you want the players that we all know to be playing, but don't we want better games than just seeing one player that we all want to see? I I do. I want to see a good game. If if that takes taking one guy, you know, uh, pick it out, and having Pitt and Michigan State be a great game, which it was, I, I'm fine with it. And it. They're saying, oh, the reward of these bowl games isn't enough for these kids? Of course not. Of course the reward of just going to a bowl game is not the same as it used to be. Yeah, it's true. It has lost its juice. It has. I think back to that holiday bowl uh, when we played Arizona and Nick Foles. Was that the holiday bowl? Uh, not sure if it was a holiday. might have been the... Uh, 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 Capital One Bowl. I mean, I don't know. But anyways, we played Arizona, right? It was with Bill Pelini, right? Zach, Zach Taylor. But, can I say right? that, that illustrates my point perfectly. If, if you're not in one of the top bowls, why does it matter? But We, we don't played, even remember years later what the bowl was called. <laughs> right, but I remember we we shut out Arizona. They didn't score a single point. I mean, we wanted to win that game. I mean, that's, I don't know. Maybe it's different that we haven't been to bowl game too, but I don't know. I, I think the bowl games were fine. If people want to opt out because they're about to make millions of dollars, I'm fine with that. It's one game. It's, I mean, at the end of the day, a, a holiday bowl doesn't matter all that much. Like, I, I know people say, oh, man, people used to care more about football back in the day. These kids still care a lot about football, but they care about playing football for the next 10 years, not playing with one game, whatever. They've been putting their body on the line for the past three years for university that doesn't really care all that much about them. Mm-hmm. We'll wrap up the show after this. It's Hail Varsity Radio. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring me in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio.
one last time here to start off your week. It's a Monday edition Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal, Will Wilson. We're going to be back at it tomorrow uh, with more content coming your way. Going to get a Husker basketball update as uh, Husker is playing host to Michigan tomorrow. I should say on the road against Michigan tomorrow. Michigan State, I believe. Michigan. They just lost okay. to Michigan State. Uh, Nebraska did? Nebraska women's basketball team? Oh, I thought you were talking about men's. My bad. Uh, Nebraska women tomorrow. I, I could be hosting, could be at Michigan. I should know. I don't. Uh, uh, hosting, I believe. Okay. Hosting, I believe. So uh, we'll, we'll get a little preview of that going tomorrow. Uh, as usual on Tuesdays, we'll talk with Mitch Sherman. Uh, so we've got a lot planned for you tomorrow. But before we get to that, uh, should it take a few minutes to finish up this show uh, to give a round of applause? Do I have a round of applause sound effect in here, Will? Uh, no, I've been trying to add one. I've been telling myself to add one, but I have yet to do it. I apologize. And by the way, you're right. Uh, Nebraska hosts Michigan tomorrow. Um do you have one? I'm, I'll be I'll be mad if you do because I've been trying to find one. Um, but if you, there's not one, I'll add one tomorrow. That's the best I got. Um, that was maybe a drum roll. Yeah, that works. That's that. The Cincinnati Bengals and former Husker Zach Taylor have won the AFC North. Incredible turnaround for Zach Taylor. I'm sure all the Chiefs fans out there listening want me to say something about the officiating in the game yesterday. So to them, I say, no, not going to mention it. The Bengals won that thing fair and square. Hands to the face in the goal line. You can't do it. Pass interference. You can't do it. Horse collar tackle. You can't do it. Even if they're ticky tacky calls. So I actually did say something there. Um, If they were very ticky tacky calls, even then, the Bengals still end up winning the game, and at the end of the day, I think we can all be happy Yeah, for former Husker quarterback and probably greatest Husker quarterback of all time during his brief time here. Can we Are, are we prepared um, to say that? Just in terms of stats, in terms of what he was able to do within the offense? Uh, man, you said of all time. I, and I, I don't want to put this into, like, oh, Tommy Frazier won the national championship. And yeah, he, like, I, in terms of what a quarterback is in modern football, in modern, I, I don't know. I'm not going to go that far. If you want to, that's your take. Elijah said it. I'm not going to go Can that we say far. Best Husker quarterback in terms of arm talent. Um, yeah. See, not in terms of like. In, I I personally would put I, it in terms of talent to play the quarterback position. Listen, man. A lot of people like what Joe Gans had had to put on the field too. Okay. I mean, there's so many other quarterbacks you could throw out there. That's why it's such a uh, interesting conversation to have. But I'm with you, man. How impressive is that? Uh, you know, the Bengals fans wanted him fired. They wanted him fired like every other week. And so I, I think it's great that he's shoving all that in their face. Um, you know, it's great to see a Husker finally, you know, do something as a head coach, which is cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, very cool. In the star power they have moving forward in Cincinnati, when you look at Joe Burrow throwing the ball to T. Higgins, who's yes. great, and Jamar Chase, who is great, and people were mad saying, oh, the Bengals should have uh, – Drafted an offensive lineman instead of Jamar Chase. Well, guess what? You were all wrong. The Bengals were right. They have the most high-powered offense in football right now. And by the way, going back to what the Chiefs fans, you know, about the officiating, I will say, offensive receivers, they can get away with anything. Yes. They get away with murder. But if I get to watch Jamar Chase go for 300 yards, I'm cool with it. That's true. I'm not not that cool with it. But good for the Bengals. Good for Zach Taylor. Congratulations out to him. We'll be back tomorrow. Will Wilson and myself. Tuesday edition, Hail Varsity Radio, 4 to 6. Join us tomorrow.